Welcome to Wild Endeavor's Out of Character. All of us who didn't have to work late because of pre-holiday deadlines gathered online for our first after-show podcast. I'm your DM, Thomas Marsetti, and with me this time are... My name is Evan. I play the character Leandros. Uh, my name is Devin. I play uh, Theron Nilo. I'm Nick. I play Eliath Kin. I'm Amy. I play Calico Bane. So come join us by the proverbial fireplace as we discuss what befell our adventurers in Season 1. We'll be answering some burning questions we have for each other, as well as some questions from you, our listeners. Come on, we saved you a seat. So, do we want to just dive right in to the Then stuff? I mean, that seems kind of like that's going to be one of the, obviously, one of the biggest things of the season. Um, I know a lot of the questions that I kind of started to put it together, like, a lot of them just kind of came back to that scene. So, do we just want to start there, or do we want to do other things and then build up to that? I honestly think we should build up. I think we should kind of yeah. go back. And yeah. I think a, a good starting point would be just kind of, I know we said this in the intro episode, but maybe just talk a little bit about how the Shadows campaign started, spun off from the main campaign, mm-hmm. and sort of where where I'm interested to see that how collaborative the idea for the story was between you and Devin, or how much you knew at the beginning that this was going to be a long campaign, or just kind of you had said I think previously that it was just going to be a couple couple sessions or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the way this came about was in our other campaign. Fen and Nick's character, Aramil, like separated themselves from the group because they're making their way through the Undercroft of Acton Manor, kind of exploring in uh, this labyrinthian structure. The two of you ran into an encounter that was scaled for the entire party, um, and that became clear pretty quickly, like that was not going to go well for you. So you made a good choice to run, but decided to run deeper into the room instead of running <laughs> out of it. And so you, the two of you were eventually were like essentially were killed by the phase spiders there because uh, you both went down to zero. There was no help coming anytime soon. And then so we discussed some options, and Nick took the choice to have Aramil be like captured by the phase spiders and like held in their silk and poisoned, and he'd have to work out like how to get unpoisoned. Dude, um, you were like poisoned for like six months yeah it took a long long time to get <laughs> in actual play time it was like six months yeah yeah uh, it was about like half of the the feywild arc yeah because was... i had to go and find some like special herbs to make right uh, mm-hmm. medicine out of it and then we finally figured it out and you met You're that like, really nice dwarf that none of you trusted and he just wanted to help you but you guys he was he was pretty creepy. Anytime <laughs> you introduce somebody to us, we're just not like, <laughs> oh, yeah, we've learned our lesson. Listen, too many people that. betray us. Yeah, too many it was a lone, a lone figure in the middle of the Feywild. I don't yeah. Then he's like, oh, I'm not going to hurt you. He's like, I've already met my quota for the day. And we're like, huh, what? Yeah, he was very upfront about you, not, or like with nothing. you about that. No, yeah, we but we only had to wait till midnight, and then he, the quota started all over again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Nick decided to do that with Aramil, kept him in the, the, the main campaign. Devin decided to set Then aside, like, Then's not gone gone, but it's gone from the campaign. And started a new character, um, 
joined the group there. That was uh that was Varus. And at some point, several months later, just kind of like it just kept kind of popping back up. Like, what happened to Then? Like, what's Then doing? Like, where's Then? Are we gonna see Then again? And so finally, I don't remember whose idea it was, or if it was just kind of like let's just do it. But like Devin and I were talking about, like let's just do a little short run, and let's. I have I had some ideas of where Then was, and which was the ethereal plane, because that's where the phase spiders came from. Like, what happens to Then? Like. Right from the beginning, I'm like, I don't even know if he can get out or like if he's going to make it out alive. I kind of wanted that to be one of the things we found out by playing is like, does he survive this ordeal? Um, and so I kept, I remember I kept telling Devin like, that's, he might die. I might kill him. I might take a lot more away from him. Like he's already lost an arm. I can take a lot more. <laughs> do you want to do this? And, um, and then at some point we decided, to, oh, I had been listening to a lot of friends at the table, um, and they do Dungeon World. And so I'm like, I really want to try that system. It seems like a lot of fun. If this is just a short run, it makes sense. Like, because if we just if it just doesn't work for us, we're not stuck with it for a long time. So I don't know, Devin. Did you like getting started with this? Do you remember like how much what we talked about, or like what you had in mind? Yeah, like I mean, I mean, you covered it for for the most part. I mean, you gave me options when. We got attacked, me, mine, and uh, Nick's character from our main campaign. And, like, I think there was, like, an option to, like, survive, but I would be, like, maimed or something in a, in a horrible way, which was, like, losing an arm. And then there was another option where it was, like, just make another character. And I think I remember, like, looking at you, I was like, can I do both? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so, like, he lost the arm and then, like, went missing. And so it was kind of a... I was kind of wasn't feeling him right then and there when we were playing, and so I felt like I needed a break from him. But then it was, I think, a good while through the Feywild campaign or the main campaign, and um, I just kept asking. I was like, "What do you think he's doing now? <laughs> what is he up to? <laughs> is he alive?" Because I, I, I remember I gave him like I pretty much told you I was like, "You have full control over him. Mm -hmm. Like whatever's happening, I hope it's cool, but do, do what you will." And then I just kept bugging you. I was like, hey, what's happening with him? Which is funny because you still ask me that. Like, what's happening with Then? Like, what, yeah, how's he but, doing? What's he up to? <laughs> but that's for other reasons. <laughs> we don't ever talk about that. We weren't going to share that with the group. That you're asking me? <laughs> yeah. Um, excuse me, what's happening? A spinoff of a spinoff. That's what we're going for. Is Zombie Then going to come back and kill Calico? Yes. No. Ghost Then? There's... There has there has been floated the idea of a spinoff of Then and Cloud in the Land of the Dead and or like uh, accompanying dimensions, um, which I can't say that I hate the idea. <laughs> <laughs> so so if that if it was supposed to start as like a couple episode thing, I, Thomas, when did you when did you realize like okay this is going to be a longer it is going to be a whole side campaign. There was really two stages of it for me because we we brought out Evan in like right away because I I didn't want to do just like a one on one adventure um, I thought it'd be more interesting to have at least one other person but so then I had I had kind of planned out like what I thought the the major arc would be and kind of what some of those steps would be what some of those options would be and when we got done with the first session and we were only like a third of the way through what i thought we would get to in the first session i was like okay this is going to take a little bit longer that's um 
which that's just kind of normal for me. I have way too much planned for, for what our time allows. I think then it was about, it was at the time that like that everybody else said that they were interested in joining that I was, that I, I realized like this could be a lot more because the kind of the, the overarching, you know, trajectory that I had in mind was, you know, Then and Leandros in the ethereal plane. They find a way out of the ethereal plane. They find Kara in the shadow and that wraps up like that's that was kind of my three part that I had in mind and then when the rest of you wanted to get involved it was kind of we were right coming into that middle step of well they're back in the prime material they need to find where Kara went to and I was like that could expand pretty easily like I was, there's a very quick way to do that and that's kind of that like somebody all-knowing steps in and is like yes I know exactly where she went if you help me I'll send you to her which was actually one of the options I had in mind originally um, there was a way they could they would have met Cyric in the ethereal plane and he would have said if you go kill this person with this special dagger I'll send you to your sister. And that would have been Then killing Lore. So you just added a bunch of stuff between those steps, essentially. Yes. Well, yeah, because once when when Evan botched that one roll on the spell and something bad was going to happen, that kind of brought in the Ether Storm. And so that became like their way out of the Ethereal Plane was the Ether Storm. So the whole killing Lore for information on his sister got kind of sidelined. But I liked yeah. I really liked that interaction so i wanted to bring it back in somewhere i do remember um there was a point where we were kind of in the ethereal plane and kind of hopping around seeing what was happening mm -hmm. and i think we were going to continue doing that but then there was a moment when we got thrusted into where i witnessed myself getting killed by element in the uh -huh. camp mm -hmm. and when i realized that that's also when i realized that we were kind of back in time <laughs> and i was mm -hmm. like well i don't need to keep going through these hoops now i can just go find my sister she's probably right around the corner because i i know where the story's going to end up basically right and, and i tried to circumvent that but it didn't work out well <laughs> <laughs> well in some ways it worked it definitely yeah. it got you back to the prime material yeah that was an interesting loop for sure i was not expecting to have the the ether part of that like end right there and because that was basically you dropped into the the reality that was created by the well of the moon in the feywild mm. so that was the intention of that is like it's a testing mechanism for the the well of the moon so like that reality was only supposed to exist for the time that element was in there being tested and yeah. then you dropped in there as kind of like an anchor and kept it alive, kept it around, and then like dragged it into the prime reality. So, good job, me. <laughs> yeah, good job, you. Thanks. My wife killed again. <laughs> he is actually now directly the reason that your family died. Well, Element doesn't know that. What what he don't know won't hurt him. Yeah. Yet, yeah. <laughs> oh man, wait till he finds out. I know, right? Maybe question his whole reality. If he finds out. Yeah, if he There's finds that, out. So. Hopefully he doesn't. <laughs> so did that, did we get to all the points in your question for that, Nick? Or? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I think so. And then, yeah, once Adam and I decided to join, 
it became like a bigger thing and then and then Amy came on later too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And it, it, that really worked out well particularly in the dungeon world system on on my end because it's just it's very heavy on like not having specific storylines to follow um it's more about like having story options like certain things that are happening around the group and so certain things that you did advanced different groups and that changed the landscape and that changed like the options that you had when you went into the the temple where the blind brothers were but it didn't quite work out like that commotion in the street brought more attention on the blind brothers and then the clasp ended up grilling the few remaining blind brothers found out what they knew got a lead on the silence and attacked and destroyed them in the city kind of cutting off the option of finding the silence in Arthamore. that's what was all me kind of i mean (laughs) so i mean i'm curious for this is kind of a question for everybody but i'm curious to what you guys think of dungeon world since thomas brought it up playing dungeon world style versus like the main campaign using fifth edition D and D. It was a, it was different. It mm-hmm. was great for storytelling. So like pretty much everything we did was very simple. The roles were simple, yada yada. But the combat system was very confusing, at least to me, um, because it was you know we're all used to playing five e, all we've ever played, and in five e there's initiative roles. You, you know you do this and then you go right. But for me, mm-hmm. like I felt like I was always like. I didn't want to steal anybody's thunder, you know, like I want to do a thing, but I want to do another thing. But I mean, it, it's it's really good for storytelling for certain. Um, it might be just a little again, a little hard for combat, but we didn't do a lot of combat. And for the most part, so I, I, I liked it. And that that definitely is my one regret. Like if I could go back and do one part of that over, um, we never quite got the combat down both from my end and from your end. I don't know if it was... It was mostly because we just are very used to that very structured, very simple, very, you know, this happens and this happens and this happens mm-hmm. um, flow that, that D&D has versus, like you said, like Dungeon World is very much about, like, all about the narrative and the story. And this, the, the combat reflects that too. And we never quite got in sync with that. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be totally honest. I... I didn't really get the system at first. I'm like, just by nature, I'm a very like rules oriented numbers oriented person. And I, I sort of picked up our main campaigns the first time I've ever played D and D. So I sort of picked up those rules and that style pretty quickly. I think I got the idea of like, you roll a higher number than the other thing. So you have Mm -hmm. a number to beat. it sort of made more sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was funny. We, um, I had kind of had this joke with Adam that, like in the, when we started this dungeon world campaign that like Thomas is always asking us, well, like, how are you doing that? What are you doing? <laughs> and I, so I, like once in a while and Adam and I were talking at work or something, I'd be like, well, how are you doing that? Like <laughs> <laughs> sort of, sort of in a mocking way, but also like, I don't know. It took me a while to grasp that idea that like everything is driven by what you say rather than necessarily rather than by what you roll. Mm-hmm. And um, so I struggled with that a little bit, just but I think it's definitely a lot more creative thinking. And I, I think I grasped it by the time we got through season one. I kind of got the idea of where we were going. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely I struggled with it at first just because it wasn't so numbers, skills, character sheet based for mm-hmm. sure. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I'd say the creative side of it is probably the most interesting side of the dungeon world system. Especially, like, if, I mean, we kind of homebrewed a little bit of stuff with uh, Then um, We started getting, the, like, powers from using the ether and stuff like that. And uh, there's not really an easy way to correlate that in, like, 5e or other editions. But in this one, it kind of just seamlessly fit and was pretty cool. Like, I was actually, like, pretty excited to explore more of that um, should he have survived, you know? <laughs> But that, that, like I said, the creative side is, is pretty cool. The combat definitely feel like it would need work, um, or just at least a, a a decent guideline to like how it should be. Like usually, there should be like a universal kind of way of kind of going about the combat, at least at least amongst like the party, so that they understand. Yeah, I think it not being turn based is really what threw us off. Mm-hmm. Like Evan kind of said, like. I mean, I've played Final Fantasy games forever. I'm used to turn-based combat. That's just what I'm used to in this mm-hmm. sort of realm. And so, like, having it just be like, well, who wants to go next? And have it be kind of open, I think, gave us all a little bit of hesitation because it wasn't like, well, I want to hit this guy, and then I want to cast a spell on this guy, and then I want to... I mean, like Evan said, you don't want to dominate. You kind of want to give everybody a turn, but it's not strict. Mm-hmm. So, I actually... Um... I think um, maybe I did it a little bit in, later on in the ca- campaign, but I kind of felt like I got more into the combat groove when like, I would try to plan for two moves. And like I would say, like, I'm going to, I, like, I want to do this, so then I can also do this after that. And it mm-hmm. seemed like that was a little bit more helpful in the long run for the combat. But so it, that was, that, I think that was probably the easier way to kind of get around a combat situation just to constantly plan ahead for sure and i think that um you know even though we did all struggle with it i think it was really good for us as terms just in terms of our role-playing chops and i've seen a lot in the other campaign how like it has changed the way we talk about combat and the way that you guys talk about what the characters that your character is doing yeah for sure i think just visualizing what's happening rather than thinking of it as a math system i think has from dungeon world forces that and i think i have carried that over into what we do with with airmail and the other campaign even just adding just flavor text to whatever i'm doing rather than just saying so i mean sometimes it's still i shoot three arrows at a guy and that's (laughs) that but um just the idea that like you're you're just like you said role playing a little more i wasn't used to doing that so i was appreciative that we got to do it in this i i i definitely i like the system I'm not a. It's not my favorite dungeon world, if I have to be honest. But I like if I, I enjoy the story aspect of it. I would play it again, but I definitely would like play my character for the system. I think I just I prefer the structure of like fifth editions like that. But I, like I said, um, this campaign or and what what's part of it is um, super fun, and I definitely would play it again. So. Yeah, just in case the creator of the new world is listening, I will play it again. You know, I don't <laughs> think I'm going to ever uh, shit on the system. I I liked it, and the opportunity will arise again because I know Thomas liked it. So I'll just have to learn to play my character, I guess. <laughs> and I just, put, I just put everybody to fucking sleep. <laughs> I was still getting a hang of regular fifth edition, and then we threw this in. So it was, I mean. It was the same to me. I also don't play video games regularly, so like, I don't know. I liked it. 
it seemed easier to me at first than the fifth edition stuff because one it were, there were less rules for me to figure out mm-hmm. um and it also helped me get into get in more into role playing stuff instead of just being like I'm going to use my hammer every 5 minutes and not talk to anybody <laughs> yeah you don't do a lot of talking we know yeah I do always like I I think I mentioned to Thomas and Evan at one point like I always feel like I'm stealing any moments from like Amy and Nick and Adam so I try to like not as much oh um, I mean we why, totally like, like I mean Adam and I have talked about this but we totally like rely on you guys to to carry some of the more important story elements yeah. forward I've just I still haven't like fully developed that role playing style Dungeon World certainly helped that this this campaign yeah. helped that but. For sure, um, and I, I told Thomas too. Like I think, like uh, this is separate from the Shadow campaign or thing, but uh, um, when we inevitably finish the main campaign and make whatever the second campaign is going to be, I feel like all of our characters are going to be like so much different. Like, but for the better. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, even like this is an example of that. Like Aramil, I I based around like I want to be an archer who's really good at shooting arrows like that was the whole point of creating airmail when we first started five years ago or whatever the hell it is yeah um (laughs) with elif and thomas gave me a good good kind of uh, tip for creating elif which was like give them a personality trait that you can lean on and that helped me role play elif a lot being like the nervous guy the new guy sort of like naive and so like that created some pretty funny moments i think and some good, like some good ways for me to interact in a role-playing style that I'm not necessarily super comfortable with. Whereas Aramil, I think, still in the main campaign is just like the quiet one who kicks ass sometimes, um, <laughs> which I'm fine with. But it's cool to have. And you're right, like just developing a new character. If whenever we do start a new campaign at some point, I it'll be it's I'll be that much better for it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna do all the talking anymore. <laughs> Promise. Uh, no. <laughs> I do have another question, group. not to be like, I don't want to like take over as host of this thing, but Go, I take no. up a couple of ideas for questions. Yeah, yeah. Amy, I'm curious from you, I'm going to make you talk like Evan does. Um, <laughs> I'm curious for you, because I, Adam and I kind of went through the same thing, but I'm curious for you what it was like to come into a campaign after things were already kind of established and how you sort of had devised like what, how Calico was going to fit into the story and uh, what impact she would have, especially the, the big impact at the end of the season. At first, it was, since it was only supposed to be like a short campaign thing, I didn't get involved because it was just the Devin and Evan show. But then once everybody else did, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to be left out, so might as well get it. But Thomas and I talked about, I think extensively, actually, um, like where I would fit in and like what my role would be. It wouldn't make it interesting and fun for me and kind of how to get me to be more involved with that. So one of the options, and we go back and forth on who actually came up with the idea, um, was to be part of the clasp, which we all know is going after Thin, and track him for the clasp and possibly kill him. And that was... Possibly. (laughs) It just seemed like a fun, like, I don't know, something different other than just, like, following people around. Yeah, I mean, you're playing, like, a secret agent. Yeah. Like, who doesn't want to do that? Mm Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah. So it made it interesting for me. So I was like, all right, let's do it. Obviously, the next season totally spirals out of control. So, <laughs> well, Yeah, I mean, spoilers. me coming in with, like, at the same time as Adam with, with Evan and Devin having already established 
something. I honestly didn't. I didn't hear the before Elif until we started releasing it as the podcast. To be honest with you, so I really didn't know what I was walking into. I focused at the beginning on just trying to develop my character and not really worrying about the the story at large. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I thought it was interesting to have kind of that piecemeal put together story thomas how uh how challenging was that for you to kind of write in new people into the show like you're a sitcom writer or something <laughs> it actually didn't turn out to be that tough particularly like where hans and elif came in it just it made sense that like than and leandros want some help leandros wanted somebody like to do some of the dirty work than you know, needed knew he needed some help going after an entire you know thieves guild or maybe two entire thieves guild. So it was really easy to bring you two in then, especially when you decided like, oh, they they hired us to help out. So that was pretty easy. And then once we figured out where Calico was going to come in and that she kind of had that tie to the city already, she had this tie to the group that you were already working closely with that just kind of became a matter of like, where does she, where do we drop her in? Like which episode or session is she going to start in? So that was actually getting those three into the story were probably the easier ones for me. I, I think it worked out pretty well too, because of like the fact like you didn't, your characters didn't know what happened to us. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of maybe added that interesting, like, a, like aspect to the role playing, like, okay, these are just some normal guys asking us for help. All right. <laughs> right. Yeah, it kind of made sense. Like, I was just hired to, to do a thing. I didn't have to know the whole the whole backstory of yeah what had happened. But it, it is a cool aspect to know, like, that you didn't know. And then now listening back, it's like... Yeah. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, I was like, like, so much stuff happened before that. <laughs> Real quick, I had been bugging you to hire some people to help Leandros, and that was exactly it, because he didn't... Landers never got his hands dirty. That's his thing. He doesn't like getting his hands dirty. Until he decided to start slitting guards' throats. And well, throwing fireballs at me. Just trying to prove that he was very evil. Yeah, if no, I know. Nick, it's, I had to, to show you and his character. Yeah, no, I know. It was just, yeah. it was just funny because I think it. I think it was like just a little bit before that session you were talking about like how he just really doesn't want to get his hands dirty like he's used to mm-hmm. having people doing things stuff for him and then you're like yeah. I'm gonna go slit their throat. Well, <laughs> and I'm like, I, you know, <laughs> in the world you gotta you gotta play to your ster- not stereotype you gotta play to your alignment to gain XP. It's like mm, how can I do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess I'm gonna go slit that guard's throat. Mm-hmm. And, which and then blame a poor servant. Which, since you mentioned that, that was another thing I really liked about the system, that the, the built-in reward for acting out the alignment. So rather than just like having an alignment which you might not ever draw upon or really ever live up to, like you might mm-hmm. in 5th in, uh, edition, like there is that incentive to prove that you are being a, the good, a good person or prove that your character is chaotic. Yeah, the idea of bonds, like... I trust this person. Oh wait, now this happened. Now I don't trust this person and kind of recapping that at the end of each, which I'm curious, Thomas, maybe this is another question that we can answer, but I'm curious about the kind of like how we decided to leave out the like table talk, leveling up mm-hmm. character management type stuff. Like personally, I love that aspect of, of the role playing, but I, I get that it's not great audio. Oh, well, and that that's really all that it came down to for me. Like I really wanted to, 
to focus on the like the immersion of the the like kind of the main story and so all the you know the leveling up and the bond stuff felt to me like very much just kind of like housework type of, of thing that i wanted i wanted to put aside i didn't we had some we had some good moments in those discussions and i think you know it definitely helped shape the characters but there was also times where we ended up like it was just a lot of discussion and you know not a lot of you know not a lot of meat coming out or not a lot of payoff yeah yeah which is certainly there's there's nothing to say we we won't ever use that in some place i mean we i had still have all that audio but it was it was simply because i wanted to try to to streamline the story as much as possible and that just seemed like a a logical place because Again, too, like the way those those discussions are, it's it's much more difficult to trim those down, versus like the kind of the story I can I can trim a lot of the banter or you know any sort of like little things that that get us off track a little bit. I can trim that and keep the the main story much tighter. But with yeah. a discussion like that, you kind of you need all the pieces to really appreciate it. This is a side question that doesn't need to be part of it if you don't want to. I'm just this is purely for my sake. Mm-hmm. Um, did anything that we did or um, accomplished in the Shadow Campaign change how you were planning things in the main campaign? Yes. And vice versa. But, yeah, not so uh, much vice versa because that was. It was so know, long. The, ago. the Shadow is basically three years behind where the other campaign is. Um, right. So what happened in the in the main campaign kind of already set the stage. Um, and that was the big thing there obviously was the, the unrest in Arthamore, uh, the burning of the city that was okay. a direct result of Than letting his sister kill the Duke. Um, okay. And so that was, that was the main setting up the shadows campaign. Yes. There are definitely things that have particularly in the coming season that, that okay. will change the, the landscape for the main. And gotcha. I think the other, the other really big thing too, is just, it, I, it did change how I'm keeping track of all the other things happening in the other campaign. It's a lot more like those those faction units and what you do maybe advances one you know one particular group, but not like all of them. And that changes you know who's gaining power or who's getting closer to. So I'm doing a lot more tracking of that, and that will I think that's going to create a lot more changes in that campaign as well just because i'm keeping better track of all those things okay so narratively there's a couple pretty major things that change and then just from you know the background the mechanics of things um, have changed a little bit too so this is like a super inside dm type question but how i'm curious to know your process on like how do you have the campaigns laid out what what kind of style do you use to organize um, how far ahead have you or did you plan? For the most part, I like to I do like outlines of things. Um, so it's like if they go to this place, this is you know this is what I'm gonna tell them. These are the things that you know that are gonna happen there or can happen. So let's say like Arthamore is one of the headings. Like when they go to Arthamore, they have the chance to do these three things. Um, and say like one of them is run into Kara and the silence. And then if they do that, then there's these three things under that heading. And then depending on what they do there, there might be, you know, even sub, 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 sub headings. And so then there's obviously then some of those things that we just don't ever get to or, um, or particularly the way I'm doing things now, like 
there might be like if you go here if you go to whatever you know one a one b is that's going to prevent you from going to whatever you know number two b yeah, like that takes that option off the table right it's like um, you're you're moving all the pieces when we make a decision rather than just focusing on that decision yeah and i'm trying to i'm trying to move a lot more pieces now than i used to when we first started and even coming into the shadows campaign it was i was really big into like a, a rule of three sort of thing like i wanted to make sure that you always had three main avenues for like what comes next like where are you going to go, go next so like then and leandros in the tower i had three main ideas of how they'd get out of the ethereal plane and then once they kind of well, they stumbled into one, then it was like, well, now there's there's three things that they can do once they're on the other side of that. And then, you know, from so from each path we take, I want to make sure they have at least, we have at least three options laid out for, like, what the next step is. So if we did, like, step B, then you had to turn to page 30, and then that was your notes. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So are we doing this under the pretense that like people know people know that we've recorded the whole thing at this point? I don't know that we need to we're doing it, it under pretense. Clear. Like I don't think okay. we've ever We've never really said that. No. Okay. I mean I'm fine with saying that now. Like yeah, we're we're done with the shadow campaign. Like this is just a matter of me editing them and getting them online. Um, okay. I just wasn't sure yeah. if that's something we were trying to hide or no, I definitely didn't ever want to hide it. I guess it, it had never come up in a way that, like, there was any reason to talk about it, you know? Yeah. So that is our world-exclusive announcement. The Shadows campaign has an ending. It has a series finale. We know what happens. That being said, it has been quite a while for us. I don't want to say specifically, just to kind of, I don't want to give anything away. But it's been long enough that in re-listening to it now, along with you, week by week, it is, it's been a very fun journey to kind of relive all this. So that kind of, but that kind of leads into my question, which is like, when did you know, when did you know how the, how the Shadows campaign was going to end? Like how early on, like as soon as it started or as soon as you knew it was going to be something bigger? That kind of, that, that final, that final, like, outline entry in my in my plan or like the final scene i I kind of always had in mind from the beginning when i had when it was just like a three-step plan that third step was always this final you know event so all that being said because i don't want it to seem like nothing you did mattered we were always going to go to this place that final like locale or that final tableau had a lot of things set out on the table and there were a lot of things we just never got to there was a lot of things that just never happened or were never resolved on camera if you will like they just your characters never saw it and there were a lot of things that happened in a way that were very different than i would have imagined or very different than if i had if i had actually planned everything out and then there is of course the the dice and you just can't plan for probability. So there are there are a lot of outcomes that weren't in any plan, weren't in anything that I thought would happen. It happened, like these things happened in the locale I had in mind, but how they happened and, you know, but everything else about it is just, I mean, that it was how you all played the game. 
I like to think of it in terms of going to watch the movie Titanic. We know what that final locale will be. We, we know what the final scene of the movie Titanic will be. <laughs> what we don't know is what's going to happen to Jack and Rose. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen to Billy Zane or Billy Zane's hair. And ultimately, the the sinking of the Titanic, this, this massive event, this milestone event is just a backdrop for the story we're actually there to see. So I knew the event that would be the backdrop and then what you all did, uh, what your Jack and what your Rose did, I didn't know. Have we ever as a group or any individually made a decision that was not, that did not fall under your three options that like totally made you scramble? Um, the, f- the one that comes to mind is Ella Burgess. When you guys, right after you found a tele- teleportation circle, you're like, why don't we go upstairs? And I was like, oh, fuck. No, don't go upstairs. <laughs> There's nothing up there. There's nothing up there for you. <laughs> oh, don't worry. She was up there. She was just waiting on you guys. <laughs> and so you had said that was like your favorite NPC to play. Was it your favorite NPC to play? Maybe her or Garth. I had a yeah, lot Garth, of fun with Garth. Garth is certainly my favorite. Yeah. I love, love Garth. A lot of people don't know this. Garth is actually Thomas in the campaign. <laughs> That's speculation. No, it's, it's speculation. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Who is your least favorite NPC to play? The person mm-hmm. that you never wished you created? Darren Nyla. Darren Nyla. It probably <laughs> would be like one of the throwaways. Um, one of the ones yeah. that like I just I didn't give them a, uh, any kind of hook or anything really like memorable. Right. So which like I wouldn't be able to pick them out because like I don't really remember them. There was several times that I wish I hadn't given Aurelius the accent I gave him uh, because <laughs> it was just, <laughs> yeah, it just it seemed like such a good idea at the time, and then, and I I toyed at several points of, the, of like him just being like just dropping it and be like oh yeah that was just an act like this is well, part of his to... you know hiding in plain yeah. sight sort of thing. Right. But... He's gone by so many names to us anyways. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Did we talk about how during that scene Devin got an accent? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that came about. Accents it just happened. <laughs> it comes and goes, honestly. Said, <laughs> or, I feel like there were several or, times throughout the campaign he had that. Or, or maybe that's what he then wants you to believe. Could be. Yeah, it was all a ruse. You know, after that session, I, I kept trying to uh, intimidate Aurelius, and obviously it's not going to work. You can't intimidate Thomas. <laughs> Um, after that session, I remember Devin and I were talking, I think maybe on the phone or via text or something. And I'm like, what happened if we joined the gardeners? Because that's the group that we're actively going against in the main campaign. <laughs> and I remember thinking like, man, that would have been a good idea. And that was when I, flipped, <laughs> that was when I flipped how I was acting against him. I was like, hmm, maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea joining him. <laughs> yeah, that didn't work. It would have been interesting. That's for yeah. sure. What was everybody's favorite moment of this of the first season that wasn't then dying? Mine, favorite, mine was definitely when Leandros uh, uh, gained a, a new friend and then sacrificed his new friend all on the same day. <laughs> that is probably my favorite character moment. Now mm. in the game, I had to think about that, but that was definitely my favorite Leandros moment in season one. Yeah, you that know, was a pretty I, that was a dick move. Yeah. <laughs> Is Leandros a bad person? Yes, yes, he is. <laughs> I think my favorite was the time I smacked the apple out of 
Hans's hand, and Adam got so salty about it. Like <laughs> Hans obviously had been pissed, but like Adam held on to that for a very long time. <laughs> what was up with that, by the way? Still not over that. He he had something awesome planned for that apple, and yeah. you just and I ruined it. <laughs> You know, that's what I do. Ruin things. <laughs> for good. for Eliaf, my my favorite moment was my favorite in character moment was when I went into the temple, just because it was like the first time, I think in either campaign that I actually attempted to like do something myself, mm-hmm. and like nobody else, you know, nobody else talked for a while, and it was like, oh god, the whole the whole thing, the whole linchpin is me, and depending on like how I roll and. I didn't roll well in that encounter, so it ended up not working. But, um, but I appreciated that opportunity to just kind of like role play it with mm-hmm. with the weight on my shoulders, I guess. And party wise, I liked a couple different things. I liked the first like heist mission <laughs> where we like went through the yep. garden, scaled the wall. I thought that was kind of where that was at least for me where I kind of started to get the dungeon world system and how we were supposed to be playing this narratively you had a clutch moment when we got discovered by the guards and you looked at them and you used that i am the law feature yeah. that you had right that was that yeah was good. Mm-hmm. and i like the um when we were in the we were in the store we couldn't figure out what was happening we were super frustrated the horse yes you kept petting the horse and the horse was actually a person <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> right uh-huh and we were like, I remember being so frustrated that session. Like, we cannot figure out what the hell is going on here. Like, <laughs> all of us had tried all of our stuff. We couldn't figure it out. Oh, yeah. But, like, frustrated in a good way. Like, mm. immersed in the story so much that I was mad that we couldn't figure out what what was happening. And then you guys all kept giving me shit because I was like, I'll take her upstairs and I'll, and I'll just, like, kill her. That was also my favorite one line what that Thomas added to the beginning of uh, the episode was, I'm not going to tie her up, I'm going to kill her. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. I'd say my favorite moment um, for my kind of in-character moments um, are kind of morbid. <laughs> I just, I'm just i a very big fan of the narrative, and I really like the moment when I cut all my ties to Elliman, who like was a character that I kind of I, I didn't grow up with, but I essentially I kind of grew up with, you could say. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, uh, like, it was just a memorable moment. And then also, like, killing Lord, as horrible as it was, it was, like, it, like extremely poetic. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, just, I, like, all of the in-party, like, bantering uh, <laughs> was my favorite. My least favorite part was when you severed all ties with Edelman. <laughs> I'm going to want to cry. Uh, I just remembered my favorite part to the campaign was when we were jumping through the different timelines and seeing all the different things and actually being at the end of the War of the Champions. It was a version of it. A version of it. Yeah, right. You're right. It was a version of it. It wasn't the correct version. I remember that. Thomas, what about for you? I think of you in this, in the context of this group, like you're the dad and we're all like the children you're trying to corral, (laughs) like as kind of an observer of the group, so to speak, like what, what was your, what were some of your favorite, most memorable moments, I guess? Obviously the, like the whole like last half of, of of episode 12, when like things just start going to shit for the group, like you all did such a great job with that and just like really dove in 
that was really cool to see. Like, particularly Adam. I wish I kind of wish he was here for this. But, like, he... I think he... I felt like he really dove into Hans at that point. And, like, there were several points where he just, like, I'm just going to do this now. Like, I'm going to pull my sword on uh, Leandros now. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, not to speak for Adam, because he's not here, but I think him and I are kind of in the same boat in that, like, the most uncomfortable part of the game for for us was was the role playing part and i agree like just in that moment he was oh, making decisions yeah. not as like adam mm -hmm. thinks this would be the right thing to do like he was legitimately making the decision as like hans has loyalty to these to then so he's going to defend that loyalty mm -hmm. i thought that was that was really cool a lot of little moments i really liked elif and the horse um just the <laughs> just the interaction you chose for that a lot of, I mean, just a lot of little things like that. I also, I really just, I liked the dynamic that, that kind of grew up right from the beginning with Hans and Elif joining the group. Because you had, you know, we had Than and Leandros, and Leandros was just straight up evil. Than was very much in this, like, I'm just going to do whatever it takes to get back to my sister. And, you know, very clearly we saw that means doing a lot of pretty terrible shit. And then here's Elif and Hans, and they're both just pure and naive and good, and that like that that right away that tension. I th I thought that was great, and the way you guys again like just leaned right into that, and whether it was like telling a shopkeep that Landros was rich, so he should be able to buy the thing, or you know just the some of Elif's like just you know his naive questions that really put pressure on uh, Then and Leandros was a lot of fun. I forgot one of my other favorites was when we first planned the run like through the armies to get to Arthamore, I think. Mm -hmm. And we came up with the plan for for uh, Leandros to summon the monster or whatever. <laughs> we were like running through the plan one last time before we did it. And Thomas was like, right, you're sure this is what you want to do? <laughs> and he sounded so skeptical. And then he was... I think I challenged him on it or something, and you were like, well, yeah. do you really think this sounds like a good plan? <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what? It, it worked, and it worked like a charm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, because I think I think my... at that point, the plan was like, Leandros was going to morph into a different animal and then cast the spell yeah. or something. And it yeah. was like a lot of steps. Yeah. And Thomas was just like, yeah. I can't believe these idiots are going to try this. <laughs> <laughs> but I was also super excited that you guys were gonna do that. You were gonna stick to this bad plan. Like I was, I was really excited about that. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely one of those things. Like we had talked about it for so long too. I was just like, for love of fuck, please do something. <laughs> the idea came like I can just summon a monster. It'll create a distraction. It's worked before. Why don't we just do that? You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, without Amy there to be the person who's like, okay, we got to just do something and, and go fight some <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah, because then we all kind of got trapped <laughs> in that. Like, okay, let's let's plan this from every possible angle. Yeah, that's definitely what Amy's good at is getting us to <laughs> hurry the hell up and move. Yeah, not, not that that's a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that to be no, me. No, I don't think thing. you're saying that. Okay. Um, that's why you hate shopping. <laughs> yeah. In game, excuse me. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's pretty accurate in real life, too. Yeah, Unless Amazon is great. Over. Dice. Oh, yeah, Shopping nice. for dice. Yeah, that's that's no joke. I, I I think I also too one of my favorite Elif moments was um, when like I think halfway through a conversation we're like, don't you have like this pact or bond like you can't lie? And you're like, oh shit. 
yeah, yeah it's it's damn tough to get through the game without lying to be completely honest with you but yeah you called me out and i was like oh damn it i remember that and then uh, i remember when you finally could lie and uh you said it, it was one of your uh, quotes for one of the beginning of one of the episodes it's like <laughs> Okay, I know I need to say something, so tell me what you want me to lie about. Because <laughs> yeah. Like that. yeah, that was good. Too. <laughs> yeah, he's like finally can do it, so he's like, I'm gonna go all at it. <laughs> all right, so Ben died. So, do you have any user do questions? We want to talk about that now. I'm sorry, um, listener questions. Yes, we have a from Instagram a belly catnap. Uh, <laughs> Wants to know what made awesome, each of your characters special for you. <laughs> Nothing. Wow. I'll start. I kind of, I kind of already touched on this a little bit, but I think what made what made the character special for me was learning so much about how to tell the story from our main campaign and not getting to reset that character. This was sort of an opportunity for me to reset and build a character from the ground up with a with some sort of personality. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed the opportunity to like lean into that personality a little bit. And like you said, I think the way he got to interact with kind of the darker characters, Leandros and Fen, I thought was really cool. And he kind of had a friendship with Hans too, so that sort of made made it easy. Like it really made it with that personality trait. It really made it easy to develop a relationship with the other three characters, whether that was good or bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just having that tie to the to the game rather than just thinking of it in a logical numerical way was uh was really big for me to be able to sort of relate to the character I, not to make this like an obit for elif but i guess i can talk about how i'm not really on the podcast anymore <laughs> i don't know if we want to talk about that but um if there's something you want to say about it i mean no i just no i just think that like so I had kind of had to give up on this campaign just because the the time of running the two campaigns was too much with a newborn baby and all that. Um, so this was sort of like the send off for Elif. So I think like having him is kind of it's going to end up kind of being a short run on the show or the podcast. Um, but I thought it was cool that I got to be a part of it. So I I will say um, for them uh, it's pretty simple. It's like two reasons that he was like i think most special to me one getting to come back and play him from the main campaign after not knowing what had happened to him was fun and special to me like getting to finally see like what happened to him <laughs> and um also uh then is I, I it's not the case for all the other characters in the, sh- the show but then is my first ever D character and so it was uh it's a it's a it's a it's a thing, you know, your first character, it's hard to kind of shake that off, you know? Mm-hmm. So, Leandros doesn't really have a special place in my heart. <laughs> uh, but he was a special character to me. Let me say that. And there's a couple reasons why. So, I typically, no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm playing a video game, RPing something like this, or DMing myself tend to not play evil characters because it's awkward for me. Kind of a nice person in real life. If you ever get to meet me, you know, come up to the street and say hello, that's fine. You know? No, he's the worst. Yeah. Um, so playing such a, a a mirror opposite of that was really hard. Leandros will always stand out in my mind of me trying to do the opposite of what Evan would have done in a similar situation. Like, 
just like the the banter that Finn and Landros had was hard sometimes because like you know I typically like if somebody says something smart to me I'll just go yeah okay whatever you know and I'll just brush it off I don't tend to dish things back unless it's you know appropriate or funny mm-hmm. um, so when Leandros had to do it it was always kind of hard and then also doing just genuinely evil stuff um, like killing innocent people or uh, blasting people with magic missile you know, oh, yeah. kind of bizarre mm-hmm. you mean you don't do that outside the game no, I don't. <laughs> um. uh, I did want to say just real quickly, like I, I, I was very impressed when you picked that option because I knew that was going to be very hard for you. Mm-hmm. And and just, again, knowing you, knowing what it took to, to do some of the things and some of the, the struggle to, to that, oh. like <laughs> yeah, you were kind of was. constantly like swinging back away from what Leandros was and be like, nope, 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 nope. I'm yep. going to really do this thing. Um, yep. So I thought you did a, you did a good job with that because I know how hard that was for you. Thanks. It was really hard. Can you repeat the question? <laughs> <laughs> what made, <laughs> what made Calico special for you? I don't know. I think it was, um, I finally had the chance to play like a different character. Not that I was completely tired of being Therina, which is my other character, but she sort of only has one way to solve problems, whereas Calico kind of sits back and like analyzes the problem before, sometimes before like taking action. Mm-hmm. And she's, I mean, she's also a little chaotic, so is Therina, but so am I. Hmm. Anyway, but I don't know. It just felt different. And I got to try new things. It was fun. It definitely seemed like you you gave yourself a lot more options with Calico, and that yeah. you, you took advantage of those options a lot more. Was that something you did on purpose, or was that just kind of do you think was just a like a natural growth of like figuring out like how to play Tharina and like what role playing games in general were, and then you were just a little bit better at it, or or did you go into the character like I want to have more options? I think a little bit of both. Like um, a lot of it was that I finally understood like what I was doing with the games and everything and I understood what my options were better um, that way I could use them better so like one played into the other sort of thing one thing real quick I'm sorry no you're fine Devin and I both agreed that this really helped you guys grow in your role playing I think I do agree yeah because I mean I know you guys joke around that we steal the show and it's the Evan and Devin show which has a good ring to it by the way um, but I, I think him and I both agree that you, Amy, Nick, Adam really grew, especially Adam. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I didn't know Adam very well before this. Um, even though we are acquaintances, I didn't realize that he doesn't do this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we knew, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I just want to say there was a, definitely a lot of growth for all three of mm-hmm. you guys. Yeah, I will say for for Adam, I I was just thinking about that the other day. I remember like before the first like actual D and D session we did. I remember he was the one who was like, "If you guys do any voices, if you show up on any costumes, if you do any of this, like I'm out, I'm leaving, I'm out." I that. <laughs> and yeah. and then like he just shows up with Hans and he's like flipping his hair at the ladies and just yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then the Halloween, to... the Halloween one shot. My God. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to sedu- he's trying to seduce Ella yeah. <laughs> That so. was great. That was great. Yeah. All right, sorry. Go ahead with the next question. So we have a, a, another question from a Mister underscore Evan or Bishop. <laughs> I wonder who that is. Oh, who, no <laughs> idea. No, no way to know. Does Thomas wear pants when he DMs? <laughs> 
to be clear, we we play on Google Hangouts, so it's all just you know shoulders and up. Um, it's I'm not we're not actually all at a table where it'd be obvious if I wasn't wearing pants. Well, we used to be. We used to be. Yeah, we used to be. I do wear pants uh, when we play. I don't believe you. Comforting. I don't. The the first time that it came up was the Halloween when I was wearing yep. the the David S. Pumpkin jacket. Yep. I was wearing that with a pair of sweatpants. I was not wearing the matching uh, <laughs> David S. Pumpkin pants, but <laughs> that's amazing. I never asked you, are you wearing pants? Yeah. <laughs> I was genuinely thinking that. I was like, I hope Thomas is not wearing pants. That's <laughs> okay. Funny. Well. Oh, okay. I don't know how to handle that. Um. <laughs> you guys always take it that far. What What way were you taking it? Your Your interest in me not wearing pants? No, like uh, you know, like the the old joke of the guy who does the the you know online conference call and he's just wearing a suit up. No, no. And then he stands up and he's not wearing any pants. I just always think it's funny. Um. I know. I know. At Amy underscore Jostino said, what other character in the campaign do you think would be fun to play? Oh, that's a good one. I I think I would have the same stance as Evan, where it would be super difficult to play Leandros, but it would be fun um, if you could embrace it. Like, I just don't, like, it would, be, it would be really, really hard, I think, to just be an asshole all the time. I try not to be in real life. Um, but I do think that's definitely the character that had the clear, like, hook that would be not easy to play but you could something you could really lean into i would probably play as calico just because i like the aspect that i would have to kill them <laughs> interesting okay yeah, yeah. okay um yeah. Oh. and side note uh if i had to pick an npc to play i'd want to play the future primark oh okay yeah yeah why why I think she's just badass. I don't know what her, what her deal is. She's so mysterious. <laughs> Excellent. That's what I was trying to go for. Um, yeah. Badass and mysterious. Yeah. It's okay. If um, I had to play a character, I'd want to play Finn uh, because the story was all about me. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I die in the end. <laughs> no, honestly, like Finn had some badass stuff he could do with his uh, ether energy. That was that. Like seriously, like, going back and listening to that, I'm just like. Damn, that's a fucking badass. And if I had to pick an NPC, because going off of what Devin's saying here, I'd mm. want to play either um, Ella Burgess <laughs> or, a serious answer, uh, Aurelius. Yeah, I'm curious what he could have done. I know some things happen later on in the main campaign that leads me to believe he could do some cool things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At first I wanted to say Hans, and then I realized that Thorin is kind of like the female version of Hans, so that's probably not... <laughs> well, not minus really... The whole, like, weird flirtatious thing but like mm-hmm. the instant battle type person mm-hmm. um i don't know something like that like i don't like super serious characters too much i think it's more fun to play like outgoing characters maybe leandros just because you'd be an asshole all the time <laughs> see i could do that that role with not not being concerned at all no you couldn't do it you already do it <laughs> yeah, that's true. yeah that's real life dang yeah. Well, so maybe we'll have to do a one-shot where you guys all take on those personas, even if they're not those characters specifically. Then it'll lead into 35 more episodes of Shadow. We redo the entire Shadow. (laughs) We already want to do a whole campaign off the Christmas one-shot, or the holiday one-shot. We could do that, which is the funny thing. (sighs) I think we'd also be okay doing one off of Halloween. Um, Yeah. yeah. I I feel like that has more options. Well, minus the Donder games. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> but I do. I did think of another like like if we were going to take the vampire thing into a whole campaign, mm-hmm. a solution for that. I haven't I'm thought more about Christmas stuff because I have already started working on next year's holiday one shots. <laughs> awesome. Okay, yeah, I think that I think that was it for for questions I had written down or questions we had submitted. So Then's death. I I am super curious as like kind of an outside observer, had, had no idea this was going to happen, all that stuff. Amy, I'm curious to know like when when you had the timeline in your head of like when did you know you were going to have to do it at some point? When did you know that you were? When did you decide that you were going to do it in that moment? And I guess that's it. Um. Okay. Well, first. Thomas set out this timeline that you have to find out who he is because Finn was supposed to be going around not like not saying his full name and like hmm. I know that Thera Nilo is a person in the class but so Thomas was like he's not using his real name so you can't act like you know who he is until he actually uses his real name and then like he gotcha. introduces himself um, so I was like well that's that emotion real fast because I assumed like I wouldn't find out his real name for like four episodes, like may- four sessions, mm-hmm. maybe even longer. Um, but it was like instant. So I was like, well, all right, that sets that on a fast track now. Uh, and then I think we're just waiting for like an opportunity. And I guess Thomas and I sort of worked it out together. I wasn't supposed to kill him, but then I messed up because I was supposed to let the class know where he is so that they would attack him or kidnap him or something. And I managed to mess that up. So because I messed that up, Calico was nervous about the repercussions for ruining the class's plans. So she fast-tracked having to kill him herself. And that's where the stabbing came in. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. And then, Devin, like, did you have any idea that it was coming? or No. Um, I kind of, my thing was, like, I was under the illusion that Oh, it's a new player coming in, and uh, no player is going to attack another player. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And so I was just like, oh, here's this new character. Um, I'm with the gardeners. I'm trying to get on their good graces. So, yes, I am Saren Nilo. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it was probably just a big oversight of me. I think we had decided before when we went to Arthur Moore to, I was involved, was not going to use my name. And then we spent like, I think a two week hiatus before we played again. And I forgot everything oh, yeah. I did the last yeah. time. And I was just like, yeah, I'm Sarah. And how you doing? <laughs> so do you like, do you hate Thomas now for, for DM? I mean, I always hate stuff. Thomas, but that's for other reasons. <laughs> but, do you yeah. hold it against Amy that she killed your character? I do not hold it against Amy. I think That's it good. was I think it was super awesome. Like I was saying before, I've always wanted you guys to have more interaction and things to do in the game and <laughs> if sacrificing myself for the case, being a martyr, sure. Why not? Aww. I mean, it was a super shocking moment. Like unbelievably Thomas, yeah. what were you like did you have any indication like, okay, this is going to be it? Or what did you not know until Amy said like, I'm going to stab him in the chest. And then you were like, Oh shit. <laughs> I, I did not know. And actually going, so going back and editing that, and I pulled that section out, but there was like, right after that happened, I was like, uh, I, I guess we just stopped there for the night because I have no fucking idea what to do next. <laughs> and everybody was like flipping out. And I was like, well, I get fine. I guess just like, what happens next? You tell me, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> Evan, what were you I thinking? I think played that well. Oh, you played that great, yeah. 
Uh, I was thinking, damn it, there goes my chance. That's why his reaction was, he just killed my friend. I think in Leandro's weird, sick, twisted mind, he thought, then as a friend. I also yeah. like to um, break any illusions. Like, I am fully supportive of the choice that Thomas stuck with. Like, that guy, he's dead. I'd also, like, he was going, the character was going down a dark path. And if it didn't happen then, it was going to happen eventually, I felt like. You mean if it didn't happen then? I was going to say that, uh. you bastard. <laughs> 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 no, but yeah, like you, either way, like something bad was going to happen to him. And yeah, I mean, I, I had talked with Thomas actually recently about like what his thought process is now. Like what his thought process then was like, God, I'm an idiot. I think in the moment, I, I, at least I personally like to think that, you know, much like everybody claims, like, you know, your life flashed before you are, your eyes. And in that moment, he was just like, well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> like he just realized all he had done and like how this came to be and he was just like well I guess this is it you know it's a no shit moment for him but he he's okay with it I'll say that I was I was very happy that you asked about Cloud when we were doing that kind of like afterlife scene I did yeah. and I, I really liked that and I really liked that image of just the two of you like walking off onto the you know the, the proverbial sunset just then in cloud yeah. like that one yeah i think because I, I think there was a moment where i was like well wait a minute is cloud here mm -hmm. and of course she was she was like hello then and i was like oh oh god <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was about then, time like, the, the, was it the good and bad it's like good you can understand me bad you can understand me uh, and i was like oh god no <laughs> And so the only other thing I will say, in if there's any little bit of defense on my part, my intentions with you know setting Calico up in that position was, I thought it would be like kind of a long drawn out tension, um, like her slowly finding out who Then is, and then like trying to figure out how to deal with that, and like what the class wants her to do, and I thought if we ever did get to like a confrontation point, it would be maybe something like that Then could defend himself and then as the two of them having to face off and defuse that situation or just her like can't not getting then alone which i thought uh, listing again like there's a, a really like as you're about to go in the house like then was going to go in by himself and calico immediately was like i'll go in with him <laughs> and now i'm like oh <laughs> she was gonna kill him right then <laughs> yep <laughs> he couldn't be snuck up on or something like that right he would have been very hard to sneak up on yeah not when he's passed out from a fireball though that's right yeah that's very true yeah. he definitely took the perfect opportunity to do it i will give you that that yeah. would be credit for that <laughs> i somehow imagined in my head that at that moment i would have been able to like stab him and pull out my knife with enough in enough time that nobody else would have really noticed because they were still fighting stuff and burning. I don't know. I thought there was enough distraction that people would not see what I was doing. But obviously That's that... interesting. Yeah, I never that never occurred to me. Also, I think it's way more interesting that they saw. <laughs> so... Well, <obviously>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't especially... put that knife-sized hole in him. Did you? No. <laughs> I did like what Adam said afterwards, because I... I really hope there's a healing on there. Or, or yeah, a healing potion. <laughs> on there. It's just like that. It's that adrenaline shot, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, God. 
Yeah. What? Which then led to some really interesting, you know, the rest of you fighting each other, particularly because there are no PvP mechanisms in Dungeon World. Like, it just, it just doesn't exist. Like, it's just not a thing that really is supposed to happen, ever. So, <laughs> then we ended up with, you know, fighting and disarming, and Hans almost killed Calico, like... Stay tuned for the second season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like that one scene. Oh boy. Yeah, well, I mean, we're picking right back up with Hans has his sword pointed at Leandros, and Calico is kind of in the middle, and... Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't have... I don't think I could have planned it if I had tried, but it was a, a an amazing <laughs> moment to end uh, yeah. on. Okay. Anything else, then? You mean anything else, then? No. <laughs> okay, we have to stop right there. Okay. <laughs> yep. Don't even release anything else. Yeah. <laughs> Podcast is, is over. We're stirring and throwing up in his grave now because of that comment. <laughs> on the record. Evan ruined it. Ruined yep. everything. Do you guys want to do any kind of like sign off? I'm good. <laughs> if you uh if you really miss Elif and want more of my awesome naive humor you can follow me at roll plus nick on twitter and i will be back for the end of season two wrap-up show uh you can find me at mr underscore evan or bishop on twitter uh you can find me at mr underscore mundane zero zero one one seven you can find us collectively on twitter and instagram at wild endeavors if you have any follow-up questions on anything we talked about this time, or any questions of your own, please let us know. We'd love to answer them for you. Really, if you have anything you'd like to say to us, we'd love to hear from you. It makes us incredibly happy when you all reach out to us. Thank you for sharing this endeavor with us, and we hope you join us again next week for the start of Season 2 of the Shadows Campaign. Call it a night. Yay! No, no too late. damage is done. Okay. Great. And subscribe. On I should I, I should have chimed in and been like, and I look forward to returning in season two. Because <laughs> <laughs> they would have never known. They'll know though.